Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter, news, and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I'm Jordan. And one announcement before we actually begin today. There is a manga break next week, so there will not be a chapter, and thus there will not be an episode of the podcast. However, Jordan and I will be continuing our stream of Chrono Trigger next Friday, April 16th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Twitch. If you want to tune into that, it can be found at twitch.tv slash inheritedwillpodcasts, with a link to that down in the description, with the VOD available shortly after for those who missed the proper podcast. But I'm sure the Zoro fans of the world are screaming that we've been delaying their feast, so we'll be jumping straight in the chapter 1010 right now. They can keep screaming while we discuss the cover of our friend Puddin. <laughs> Indeed. Let's talk about this for 45 minutes and let the Zoro fans continue to cry for a little bit longer. Don't tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not a whole lot to say here. Rabian and the Jellyman having a good time back there. Not sure why the Jellyman is taking such joy in putting eye drops in the carpet's face, but yeah, I was going to gloss over that particular part because it unnerves me. But <laughs> everything else is eh, it's fun. Yeah, I guess so. Also, not sure how a tree got into this room, but <laughs> <laughs> it had a task. <laughs> I suppose so. It was eye drop time. Got to make it happen. Mm -hmm. enough of that though jumping straight into the chapter proper big mom is dying right now there she goes thank goodness <laughs> she calls out for zeus but oh no he's still trapped in a weird box prometheus similarly trapped in constantly being sliced up hell so not being rescued just yet or her uh yeah zoro's putting his life on the line here and it's well it doesn't really pay off but it seems like it's going to. It almost does. I mean, you see on a couple pages when she actually does get rescued, it was real close. Yeah. Another second or two, she would have been in that water. Yeah, not much you can do then. Kaido is distressed marginally that Big Mom is falling. He's like, oh, well, guess I'll take care of her. Classic Lin Lin, making me do all the work. Fortunately for Zoro, Law saves him. Gets a shot in while he's at it. Good boy, Law doing what he does yeah it definitely bypasses through kaido he's not happy about it and then we see an antibacterial curtain which i have to assume is just a defensive move he has i can't quite tell what's going on maybe that's just what he calls armament hockey <laughs> <laughs> could be it kind of looks like a clear barrier of some sort is being put up in front of him right but how does that make sense with his powers Maybe he's like, and I'm purely speaking out of my ass right now, but maybe he's like using his ability to condense the air to make a wall of sorts. Sure, he's like constantly changing out the air that's there for new air or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Law's power is pretty abstract in the first place, so I guess it's not terribly strange that he can pull this out of nowhere. I think this is the first like new move that we've seen from Law throughout this entire fight. I think there has been recycled attacks pretty much exclusively up until now. Yeah, and this isn't even an attack. Just a weird barrier move that I'm not very clear on. But it does manage to block an attack from Kaido, 
He seems exhausted after the fat, but wouldn't have been great for him otherwise. But Prometheus and Napoleon managed to get away because Zoro got teleported away. They go rescue Big Mom. So that's not great for our boys. Plan failed, I guess. The plan has effectively failed. But I do like this line from Long where he says, it's a failure if anyone dies. Like, that makes me feel good about his character. I'm not sure if, you know, Kid would exactly feel the same way. I agree. I don't think Kid much cares if any of the rest of them die. But I don't think this is Law, like, being especially compassionate towards the lives of the four other people involved here. I think that he just doesn't know if they can win if any of the five of them go down. Oh, wow. I did not take it that way at all. That's interesting. You're probably right. Because up until now, Law hasn't really seemed like a especially compassionate lad, aside from the towards Beppo and his actual guys. Right. It just would be strange to me if he all of a sudden cares whether or not kid or killer, especially live or die. That doesn't seem like Law. I've kind of been thinking of him as too much of like a straw hat almost <laughs> yeah. just because of the alliance and all that. But you're right. Like it's still law. So compassion hasn't been his thing. But it could still be that maybe the straw hats have been rubbing off on him and he does actually care whether or not these guys die. But yeah, it's not the way I read it, at least. Uh, kid and killer, though, they're like, at least they're separated. We'll deal with big mom. Not sure what their plan is there. Doesn't seem like they should be able to do that or even, like, go down to her. Right. Really. Like, Kid has all of this metal. I guess he could have been planning to, like, form a chain almost and jump down with it attached to Onigashima. But, like, that's going to limit you pretty good. I don't know if any of them can airwalk or anything like that. So options are limited. Kid can kind of like, he uses his power to attract the metal to him, but we've never seen him use it to make it like hover in place, if you know what I mean. It's either been push or pull, you know, like mammoths. That's what they do. Right. But maybe he can use it to make like a platform of metal down there for them to fight on. I, I, I don't know. Unless the metal reaches the sea floor, I don't buy that. Or if he could somehow make it big enough and like boat-esque i guess <laughs> but i don't i don't see him well i guess he made that giant mech thing so like i guess he does have some precision that he can do with it i just don't know if he can make it float <laughs> is the thing <laughs> regardless they run up to the edge and they just stop because clouds appear and they seem ominous and that's the last we hear of those uh yeah Prometheus asks Big Mom for a favor of some variety after shit-talking Zeus a little bit. Something weird's going on with the clouds. So what do we think is uh, going on there with Prometheus and or the clouds? I think I had maybe two theories about this. I thought maybe either Zeus is trying to gather power while inside of his current prison to try to break out and the clouds are you know, being summoned to him or something of that kind. <laughs> or it has to do with uh, the favor that Prometheus is asking for. Like maybe he wants, I don't know if this is even possible for Big Mom, but maybe he wants like another piece of her soul or something to gain control over Thunder so that they don't need Zeus anymore. 
I had two similar ideas to your second one. I thought at first that maybe Prometheus was asking his bit of Big Mom's soul to be transferred into a cloud instead of a fireball so that he would gain Zeus's abilities effectively. Okay, okay. Then I was like, is that really better swapping out fire for lightning? That doesn't seem necessarily beneficial. Well, he was, you got to remember that he was just completely neutralized by Zoro cutting him up over and over and over. Yeah, that's true. And maybe he theorizes that that can't happen with the lightning. Even though he did see Zeus already get trapped, so like that's also a bad plan. Indeed. But then my second idea is that he was just trash-talking Zeus, right? Specifically. Mm-hmm. So maybe his favor was for Big Mom to put another piece of her own soul into a new thundercloud to make a replacement Zeus, right? Okay. If that's true, that also kind of opens up the possibility for old Zeus to kind of be tossed aside because he's useless according to them mm-hmm. and then nami can have him permanently if that's the case yeah yeah i like that i also just thought nami controls weather i don't know if this could be about her or if oda would even throw it in here if she was doing something about the weather but like i don't want to leave that out yeah that could be she could be doing something inside the building that's affecting the outside she was saying I think the last time we saw her that they're going to need bitter lightning in order to keep Ulti down permanently. So maybe she's mm-hmm. been gathering something that's being hinted at now. That could be. Yeah. But like you said, that's the last we see of these boys for the rest of the chapter. Now it's time for the Zoro train for a little while. Isn't that exciting? This train <laughs> has many cars. Many, many cars. Oh, yes. Zoro's got a lot going for him in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Luffy appears to be down temporarily after taking that big hit that we were talking about last week. Kaido's talking about what he's going to smoosh next, but Zoro's like, all right, I'm going to try and stop him, but I'm nearly dead, so if I die, good luck, lol, have fun. Then uh, starts smack-talking Kaido for a little while. Don't touch my captain, he says. Yeah, and he goes straight for the killer move which I still don't understand. (laughs) Uh, What's not to understand, Jordan? He's got three heads, nine swords. (laughs) They're all real, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yep. I've never really understood the Ashura move. It is cool, though. I'm glad to see it back after like 10 years. People have been (laughs) clamoring for it. I couldn't even tell you how long. Probably since it first appeared back in uh, Eddie's lobby. Yeah. But uh, it's also got a very long name. Yes, it does. Demon Aura, Nine Sword Style, Ashura, Blades Drawn, Dead Man's Game. Good lord. <laughs> what a mouthful. It takes a long time to build up all that power. I guess so. And I admit, it's a cool ass name. I imagine it's hard to say all that with three swords in your three mouths, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we saw him yelled to other people when he blocked their attack in the last chapter and the sword stayed in so like that's true he's got it down (laughs) indeed have you seen the sbs where oda explains how he's able to speak so clearly with the sword in his mouth oh god if i did i've forgotten it i don't remember the precise details but it basically boils down to zoro is a skilled ventriloquist so he's able to speak without actually moving his lips 
So Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Indeed. Good for you, Zoro. Lands a big old nine sword slash on the big man himself. And uh, draws some blood. Leaves a big old slash on him. Right. It's called the nine sword slash, but I think there's only one cut, right? So I I just hmm. <laughs> I still don't understand anything about this move. <laughs> uh, I think it's awesome. It's very cool. And I'm glad that Zoro is really shining here. But some explanation would be fantastic. I guess all nine swords just slashed the same spot or only one of the nine slices actually dealt damage. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But it is very nice that similarly for the first time in like a decade, we're seeing Zoro actually like fully pushed to his limits. He's just been kind of messing around with all his foes in the time skip up until now. So it's nice to be able to see where he tops out in terms of power right now. Right? If not here, when? Exactly. It says a lot about Zoro that he tops out apparently like just below Yonko level, <laughs> I guess. It's pretty awesome. And also when you think about like Rayleigh and the similarities there, it kind of makes sense. Uh, indeed. I think it's strange that the only buff that Zoro has gotten post time skip has been getting Enma, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. He's had the same swords. He hasn't struggled against anybody throughout the entire post time skip stuff. So my usual argument for like how one piece characters progress, because you don't really see them practice all that much. There's not very many training arcs aside from the big one during the time skip. Right. So they mostly just get stronger through overcoming more and more obstacles that are stronger than them, right? Yeah. Hasn't really been the case for Zoro post-time skip. So unless Enma is like a real dramatic buff, right, which, granted, it does seem to be, Yeah. it does make you wonder where Zoro was before getting Enma, if after Enma he can cut a Yonko. Very impressive for him. That's true. I mean, we've always known that Zoro has an interesting relationship with swords in general. And I don't know, I feel like Enma also, since it draws out the power of the user, like, this is... Or, I, I think that's true, right? I'm not misspeaking on that, am I? Uh, that seems to be the case. Kind of sucks your hockey out of you to imbue into the blade, whether you like it or not. So Right, so this is, like... I know you already kind of said this, but this has to be his literal maximum if it is drawing out his hockey. And I don't remember where I was going with that because I paused on the thought. I don't have an actual note written down on that. Um, you paused to verify information and then you lost the thought. I really did. It's okay. I'm okay with letting it go because there's something else that we do need to talk about. Talk about this uh, conqueror's hockey business. Yeah, I've already seen a lot of discourse on this. Uh, I'm assuming you've seen some of the same where people are not sure whether this confirms or whatever unconfirms, uh, confirms whether or not Zoro has Conqueror's Hockey. I have not seen any discourse debating whether or not he does have hockey, but I kind of was thinking it doesn't necessarily confirm it, just, just because Kaido seems to suspect so, doesn't necessarily make it true, <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. Zoro doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't think he's feigning ignorance here. So 
I would imagine Conqueror's Hockey feels different to Armament or Observation. And we know that he at least has Armament and some level of Observation. So, like, if he was using something else, I feel like he would know. Although, what you were saying a minute ago about Enma kind of drawing out your hockey, Mm. that kind of got me thinking that maybe he really doesn't know that's what's happening. Maybe using Enma is kind of forcing him to use his math's potential conqueror's hockey in this case. Okay. To imbue specifically that sword with it. Yeah. And that's how he's slashing. And because Enma's already kind of forcing him to do it in the first place, it already feels kind of different. And that's why he doesn't know that that's what's happening there. That would also, I think, explain why there's only one slash on Kaido. Because only the real Enma would have been imbued with Conqueror's Hockey. Uh, indeed. Doesn't really explain it if actually three of the swords are real when he makes the nine sword style. Right. I could accept three of them hitting the same place so much more than indeed. nine. But yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility. I think we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Zora seems to be down for the remainder of this fight, which kind of sucks for getting more information about what's going on there sooner rather than later. But I'm sure the next time Zoro fights, we'll get some more information. Do we know what hand Zoro holds Enma in? Is it his right or his left? Um, I think it's the one in his right hand. Okay. I can't swear to that, but I'm pretty sure he was wielding Chusui in his right. So it made sense if he was swapping, you know, right sword for right sword. Sure. I don't remember what the like cross guard of Enma looks like. Otherwise, I would just confirm it on the, the previous page, but... Right. I was looking at the previous page to see if, like, from the angle, we could tell which sword would go in which direction. Well... Because that would... I don't know. That could be something. Presumably, on the page where Zoro's yelling, Hey, Kaido, that's my captain, and he's imbuing a sword with hockey. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to assume that's probably Enma there, right? Yes. Agreed. So it's, it's in his right hand. So. And I would also think that Enma would be front and center for his big move, for the finishing pose. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense. I think that's pretty safe. Indeed. Yeah, and the slash on his chest goes from left shoulder to right hip area. Indeed. So that kind of makes sense. So if he was spinning in the way he seems to have been in the big panel pose one, that's probably the right sword. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely overanalyzing this again, (laughs) but... That's what we do. (laughs) I know, it's so fun. I say it every week, but it is so fun. Do you have anything else to say on, like, the slash before we move on? No, I mean, it sure does seem that Zoro's got Conqueror's Hockey. I don't think that Oda would put it in here if Kaido's just wrong, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. So I think until we're told that Kaido is wrong, we should just assume that he's correct. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'll sign on to that. Apparently that wound is going to scar our boy Kaido. He says this wound will remain with me. Getting kind of peeved off about this whole worst generation business. Law goes in to save him. Unfortunately, Kaido can kind of like throw a thunder bagua 
in the same vein that Zoro can throw a slash. Uh, so he hits both Law and Kaiser, Law and Zoro with the same move. That's not great for them. No, and I think he moves with the attack, doesn't he? Because he started out near Zoro and he ends up behind Law. Uh, he sure does. My, how wrong I am. <laughs> yeah, and he did previously just say, you say there, I'll come to you. So, Indeed. Sometimes you're just embarrassingly incorrect. These things happen. <laughs> it's okay. But with that, Kaido thinks he's just one, aside from Kid and Killer who ran off to be dealt with by Big Mom, presumably. But oh no, it's Luffy. He's up. He loves the samurai. We all love the Talking samurai. Talking smack. We also all love the smack talk. Sure do. This is very reminiscent to uh, in Annie's Lobby when Rob Lucci thinks he's got Luffy beat, starts walking away, and we see his silhouette in the background, much like we do with this center panel with mm-hmm, Kaido. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you also know this is the definitive turning point of the fight because Luffy is pretty much all smiles from here on out. <laughs> Indeed. So Luffy's here, he's huffing and puffing, but he's remembering his time with Hyogoro, learning about Wano's Ryuo, right? His, the hockey of Wano, pretty much, that he thinks is advanced armament hockey that, he, that Rayleigh demonstrated for him back in the day. He comments, hey, I figured you out, Kaido. You can infuse things with Supreme King Hockey. I still always think of it as Conqueror's Hockey from the scans from back in the day. Same. Officially, it's Supreme King, which I'm I'm still not very clear (laughs) on what that means. Right? Like, what exactly has been unlocked here? I I don't follow. So... This is what it sounds like, right? It sounds like what Luffy has been doing up until now, what he's been damaging Kaido at least a little bit with, is advanced armament hockey, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to do the things that Rayleigh, Whitebeard, Roger have been doing in the flashbacks and such, to strike the opponent without actually touching them, appears to require you to infuse Conqueror's Hockey into your fist or whatever, right? That's what we seem to be learning here. Okay, yeah. But when Rayleigh's beating up that elephant, when we first kind of get a full explanation of what Armament Hockey is, right? Mm -hmm. He does the thing where he beats the elephant away without touching him, right? That's what Luffy's all impressed by. And he does that while explaining armament hockey specifically okay okay so it's a little bit strange if that technique requires the use of conqueror's hockey why didn't he say it to luffy way back then yeah yeah i mean the out of universe explanation is that oda just hadn't thought of his application at the time sure in universe doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that's a very good point yeah but maybe it's kind of the same thing, but the chapter sets it up so that it's distinct. Right. I'm confused, is the point. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, well, I'm certainly not sure what we're going to get in two weeks, but uh, I will be very sad if it's not more of this. <laughs> Indeed. 
Too many unanswered questions here, Oda. Stay on this for one more chapter, please, at least, and explain what the heck is going on. That way, my poor dumb brain can understand. Right. Like, we know it's cool, but take us that last yard to full understanding, please. Indeed. And Luffy certainly does look like a real badass for the remainder of this chapter. I love these action shots where he's blocking the club. He blocks it with his foot without touching it. It's all very dope. Does a little swing with his foot. He has to push the club away. Dashes forward. Does a big old punch. Again, all without touching the guy. Does another punch. Gets him right in the face. Law's very impressed. And so am I. Yeah. Really thrashing this guy all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, I agree that it's very good. I think the shot where he's blocking the club with his foot just looks silly to me. I don't know why that pose looks so weird, but it just does. <laughs> Everything else is gold, though. Absolute gold. Uh, agreed. I don't think it looks silly, but this one time, I'll agree to disagree with you. I don't know why. How dare you insult the art of the mighty Oda. I know. For shame. I know. But it's like... You're not allowed to criticize him, George. I know we've been doing that a lot, <laughs> this episode in particular, but you're just not allowed to criticize him if I don't agree with you. That's oh, the main point. Oh, okay. <laughs> I finally unlocked it. Gotcha. Quite. I love the like rough feel of these action shots. Like It's very defined, but the way that he's doing maybe the shading or like the impacts, it feels grittier to me, and it just works. It's Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I agree. I think it's mostly the impact shots that I noticed that kind of gritty feel that you're mentioning. But yeah, what's dope? Good work, Oda. Yeah. Proud of you. Proud of Luffy. Even proud of Law a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that Luffy thanks Zoro, but I assume he's passed out. <laughs> yeah, long since unconscious. Yeah, did not hear the thanks, but it's the thought that counts. Indeed. But he's so confident in his, in his ability to take down Kaido solo now that he's like, all right, Law, go ahead and take Zoro back downstairs. Yeah. Don't know what they're going to do if they go back downstairs. I was kind of anticipating these guys to stay up here so that the people downstairs who are already participating in fights will be able to have those fights. Someone's going to have to take care of Big Mom, right? Well, don't forget. Apparently, Kid and Killer are going to do it by themselves. Oh, that's right. How silly of <laughs> no me. No problem. <laughs> Not sure how they intend to do that, but they said it, so I trust them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely going to happen. So, if Luffy is now on a power level where he can beat Kaido, what does that mean for the rest of the series? I mean, he's gotten some good shots off on Kaido early on in this confrontation, now that he's unlocked this new hockey thing. Kaido hasn't really had an opportunity to fight that just yet, and I'm sure Luffy's not just gonna hand him his butt easy-peasy now. But I think by the end of this confrontation, for sure, Luffy will indeed take down Kaido. I think it'll still be a bit of a scrap. But that would put him, like you said, on their level. Mm -hmm. And Kaido is called the strongest creature in the world. Mm -hmm. It's one-on-one, -on -one, bet on Kaido. Which, in theory, makes him the strongest guy in the series that we that is like publicly known. You know? yep. And maybe that Im Sama guy might be stronger. We don't know anything about that guy. Mm, yeah. So, 
that might make Luffy like in the top five or something by now. Yeah, it's. I just. I, I don't know what that would mean for the stakes at that point. Like, who can stop them if that's if Kaido can't? At. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there, there's not a drawback to this new hockey. It's not like it hurts him or anything. He doesn't get small afterwards. Like, <laughs> this is just a completely new level that's unlocked and possibly almost always used depending on the level of his hockey, I guess. Yeah, he's not even using gear fourth with it right now, so. Right. I was going to bring that up as well. This is base Luffy doing all this stuff to Kaido right now. Yeah, I don't even see smoke coming off of him for, like, gear second or anything. Mm -mm. Just bonkers to me. I would imagine that Blackbeard has probably been pumping himself or intends to continue pumping himself with additional devil fruit powers. Right. So maybe he might be secretly stronger than Kaido or will be fairly soon in the franchise. He's like making his move now or something. Maybe he'll swoop in here and steal Kaido and Big Mom's powers oh, God. after they're taken care of during this confrontation. That would uh, kind of put him on a new level. Yeah, that would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope he doesn't know about all this. I don't know how deep his intel runs, but that would be pretty impressive. Sworn when we saw him during that intermission, that Wano intermission with Moria and all that, he got some sort of report about Wano. And like the Marines know about it. Maybe he's got a spy or something. I don't know. Blackbeard definitely knows something's going on here. Some people thought that that Odin clone a couple chapters ago mm-hmm. was a Katarina Devon, one of uh, the people that Blackbeard broke out of a uh, impel down back then. She's got a clothing ability of sorts as well okay but uh aside from blackbeard and again maybe m from the world government is stronger we don't know doesn't seem like beyond this anyone can really stand toe-to-toe with luffy big mom yeah i'm sure some people could hold him off like i feel like garp could do it probably i forgot about him. i feel like akainu probably uh sengoku um Big Mom, like you said. Like, there there are people out there. The thing about Akainu and the Admirals in general, I mean, people like to think they're probably on par with the Yonko. And that very well could be, I guess. But even if the world is, like, held in balance, kind of, by these three forces being the Warlords, the Yonko, and the World Government, don't you think if the world government had an individual, right, three individuals whose power rivaled the Yonko individually, don't you think they would just waltz into their territory and take them out <laughs> if that was the case? Why not send three admirals in, all three of them to beat Kaido, and then just have more control over the sea that way, you know? I feel like this may have been brought up once, but like, Along the same line, why don't they just call in, like, you know, four buster calls, all on Kaido? Could do. <laughs> like, just really nail it down. I mean, in Kaido's case, he could just, like, fly away and probably be totally fine, but he'd lose territory and dudes that way. Right. They would take out pretty much everyone other than, like, 
king, maybe, and Kaido. Mm -hmm. So it'd be a pretty good strategic move. But I don't know. I feel like that's along the same lines. It's just like, you're right. Why wouldn't they send people? But it would still be a big risk for them. They wouldn't come out of it unscathed, I'm sure. True. I mean, if they did do that thing that I mentioned where they send all three admirals to take out one of the Yonko, like a fleet or something, they're going to lose a lot of men that way. Maybe Kaido will take out one or two of the admirals. They're not easy to replace. Why take the risk when the world is more or less at peace with the current situation? That's yeah. a good point. Although now the the warlords are no more, so is it That's all true. at balance, really? Well, the reason they decided to nix the warlord system is that they seem to think they have something that can adequately replace the warlords as an enforcer. So as far as the world government is concerned, yeah, probably. Yeah, but they suck. So, like, that means that it's not really in balance. That means that they think that they can they can take control or whatever, like, if they roll out their new pacifista line or whatever the heck happens. Like, that's them saying, like, yeah, we're, we're confident that we got this handled. So, yeah, I guess from their perspective, but fuck them. <laughs> Pretty much. I think that's all I have left to say about this chapter. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. Uh, anything else you would like to touch on before we move on? I was just going to say that considering the power of the moves that we've been seeing thrown around up on Onigashima, I would be pretty surprised if it is left intact at the end of the arc. Both because I'm pretty sure Kaido's the one holding it up, and if he goes unconscious, then it's gone. Or you know? they're just going to destroy <laughs> it with the power of throwing each other around. That's true. Not only are there a great many highly powered dudes throwing hands inside the skull bit. Mm -hmm. If Kaido like, dies or falls unconscious, it's just going to fall into the sea. Yep. <laughs> or on Wano. <laughs> like, what then? What happens? Yeah, maybe... Is Kaido's plan to drop the island on the flower capital? Was that specifically said that he's going to drop it? Do you remember? I don't remember that being specifically said, no. But that doesn't mean it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but if not, maybe Kaido just plans to gently place Onigashima down on Wano somewhere. And mm. maybe the fight won't end until after Onigashima has already been placed. But it's really big. So even if he just put it somewhere, odds are people are still going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be so interesting to see what Oda has planned for that. Yeah, it's a tough one. I realized there was one last thing I want to say before we move on. It's that in this panel where he's like uppercutting Kaido, okay, the last blow we see in the fight, mm -hmm. it looks like Luffy is stretching slightly and his arm is being like sliced a little bit. Yeah, it looks detached. Yeah, right, up, right below the elbow. So that sucks right. <laughs> but like I said before, break next week. The next chapter will hit officially April twenty fifth. So we'll see what happens when we get there. I believe that takes us into the news segment. Just one brief bit of news for this week. All I've got is that the English release of volume 96 was just released last week. So if you are a collector of the physical volumes, now's your chance to snatch that bad boy up. Should be available at pretty much every bookstore and or online retailer that sells manga. So grab that while you can. 
That's all I got, and that takes us into the reread segment, covering manga chapters 142 through 154, the rest of Drum Island. Go ahead and take it away. This batch picks up in Chopper's origin flashback, and it takes us through setting off for Alabasta. In it, we get some much-needed brownie points for Hiralook when he actually treats Chopper like, you know, a sentient being as opposed to a monster. So I know we talked a lot of crap on him last time, but... It, it more or less boiled down what we were speaking about last week is that the way we're first introduced to him, robbing and killing people, mm-hmm. accidentally or not, you know, doesn't really seem to jive with how well he treats Chopper. Right, yeah. And like what his intent is, like cure the hearts of the people of Drum Island, which he doesn't want to do all that cool stuff, but he does still like rob people. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A real anti-hero, this guy. Yeah, I guess so. Real mixed bag, this this quack doctor. Speaking of mixed bags, I also talked a lot of crap on Dalton. Well, maybe not a lot, but I talked some crap on Dalton last time. Did you? I do not remember. Well, I I said that I did not like his design, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And he's just, I don't know, he's a somewhat interesting character. Uh, I like the the fact that he throws in little useless facts sometimes. It was addressed in one of the SBSs. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. That's a nice little character trait, but otherwise he's not very standout to me. But in chapter 145, he had one of the, like, I think coolest lines of the arc. Uh, Wapple confronts him for not following his orders in the flashback. And in retaliation, Dalton says... As long as we treat the people like animals, this country can't be saved. Which just summarizes Hero Look and Chopper's feelings beautifully. I love the use of treating people like animals when Chopper's here, and it just it's some good writing in my opinion. Yeah. Dalton goes on the shine a number of times throughout the, the flashback, which is a shame because he doesn't really shine that much like in the, the present day. He kinda gets beat up mm-hmm. and he's out of action for most of it. Yeah. But Hero Luke seems to deeply affect this guy who had been seemingly long struggling between like the duality between his loyalty to the throne and Wapple specifically as, I assume, the son of the the king that Dalton grew to respect, right? The former king. And his loyalty to the people that Wapple is just kind of shitting on, <laughs> always. He can't just like brazenly rebel against this guy because technically he is in charge. But by the end of his interaction with Hugh Luke after he sacrifices himself and all that, he he's like, all right, this guy's right. If he's willing to uh, pretty much sacrifice his life on the chance that the 20 doctors might be sick, then I guess I can stand up to this guy and do what I can to help the people of the country. So good for you, Dom. Yeah, yeah. Two thumbs up. <laughs> the flashback does paint him in a very good light. Like, I liked his interaction at the world council or whatever that was good Mm -hmm. moving on i think another contender for one of the best lines of these chapters is sanji because right before the fighting kind of gets rolling with waffle and chess and marimo luffy takes a hit and he's fine and chopper's like what is he and sanji says like oh he's a rubber man basically 
he's a monster and he says it with the biggest grin on his face <laughs> whereas chopper has been called a monster in this negative connotation for his whole life like of course he's going to join the crew after seeing that it it oh made me tear up a little bit i was just like dang he does not even know right yeah sanji didn't even know any of chopper's backstory or what he's been through all this time so he genuinely did feel that it was just like a cool thing that <laughs> luffy's a weirdo <laughs> Yeah, because it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a much more emotional arc than I remembered, and it just rolls through that the whole way. It also had some golden comedy moments with Usopp uh, trying to carry <laughs> Dalton. Um, like it was that that was a weird mix of funny and sort of like heartfelt because he really does want to help, and he's imitating Luffy in that moment, and he's trying his best. And then Zoro comes in and he takes him and he freaks out. And it's like Zoro sees him trying so hard. Zoro doesn't understand what's going on here. He's made it very clear he doesn't know who Dalton is. But Usopp shows that it's so important that Zoro's just like, okay, yeah, I got you. No problem. And I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's cute. It's cool. It's everything I could ask for. And near moments prior to this, Usopp was just expressing and his Usopp way that he was scared to go up to the top of the mountain where all the fighting was taking place. But then he got inspired by Dalton's choice to fight despite being severely injured. He's like, all right, if that guy can keep fighting with how beat up he is, I can go up there and help out even though I'm frightened. And you would think that in the usual Usopp way, he's just kind of blustering like, all right, I'll carry you, get on. But he doesn't actually intend to do anything. But in this case, he actually does try to do it. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. pretty dope, Usopp. He gets to get more and more impressive with each arc. Certainly on. What a guy. Right, yeah, this reread is really making me uh, appreciate him more and more as we continue. So, he's been sort of climbing the ranks of my Straw Hat Pirates. I don't know where he is right now, but I'll assess that at some point. He certainly gets the most growth out of the mm. Straw Hats in these early mm -hmm. chapters, at the very least. Perhaps overall. Well, he has the most to grow, you know? That's true. He's the most normal guy <laughs> out of a lot of them. So, Moving on from Usopp, right off the bat, when Chopper has his fight, we get the introduction of the Rumble Balls and the fact that he can turn into seven forms. And during the introduction, Chopper says that they modify the transformation powers of the devil fruit. So do you think that with enough time, Chopper could apply the same principles to people like Dalton? Or is Chopper actually unique? Because Chopper says that he trained with this for a number of years or whatever, and he had to perfect the medication and all that. So I'm just, I don't know, I want to know where you're at with that. I also considered that when I got to that point. He does not specify that the Rumble Ball only works on him and his power, but he's probably only ever tested it on himself. Right. So it could be that it would affect other Devil Fruit users, but like we've been talking about, Chopper's kind of a weird, unique case for some reason. So I'm still kind of split on it. It would be neat if there were some sort of twist in wano or something for example where the beast pirates got a hold of some rumble balls and got a weird boost out of it somehow and chopper is currently tussling with queen 
the man among them perhaps most likely to notice that Chopper turned into a big mm. old crazy monster man seemingly out of nowhere. He might start thinking, hey, how do you do that? And might try to like probe Chopper for information in some capacity through speech or otherwise. Maybe he'll get a hold of him and try to turn the tides on the army with a boost to his boys. Could be. Alternately, I could see uh, Drake getting his hand on one of them or something of that accord to turn the tides of a battle. Maybe after Chopper is kind of spent on his monster form and needs to revert. Do you think in that hypothetical that Drake might take over the queen fight, for instance? Uh, Not necessarily the queen fight, but just a fight. It would make the most sense for it to be queen, but it would really depend on whether Monster Chopper could deal with queen or not. True. Aside from Queen, I'm not sure if there's anyone else on the main floor that Drake would be like have to get a boost to deal with. I mean, he seems to be pretty handily handling Apu. But it occurs to me we've been talking about Wano for a fair chunk of time. We're supposed to be talking about Drum Island. That's true. All right. Poor Chop. No more of that. We forgot about him. <laughs> Before we move on, though, I do actually want to talk about Wano for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know where, <laughs> pretty early on in this flashback, where Hirlulut's talking about this land of cherry blossoms that he visited in the West that cured him of his incurable disease? Yeah. Do you think it's possible that this land he's talking about could be Wano? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's a land far away in the West. So... If he means West Blue, right? no chance. I mean, that no. that's not Wano. But if he means West of Drum Island, mm-hmm. right? Considering this place is fairly early on in the first half of the Grand Line, if you go West, yeah, hop over the Red Line, Wano is fairly late in the second half of the Grand Line. So it's probably... A fair distance to the west, of course, but probably more west than east, I suppose, is the point I'm getting at. Interesting. Very interesting. I like this. But, after I started thinking about this, if Wano was indeed the land that Hiraluk was talking about, Chopper knows about this mythical place. Mm. We find out about it by Hiraluk telling Chopper about it. So don't you think it would have been made a better deal out of it? When Chopper saw Wano and his cherry blossom trees, if it was indeed the land that Hirulut spoke of. Yeah, I guess that's that's a good point. But, well, hmm. there's no confirmation of that to Chopper, you know? He has not heard anyone say Hirulut or anything, so, like, I don't know. True. So maybe the Chopper, just because this place has cherry blossom trees doesn't necessarily make it the land of cherry blossoms that he was talking about. Right, because he certainly didn't go west to get here, you know? True. So, I don't know. An interesting thought for sure, though. Speaking of thought, when was the last time that we saw Brain Point? Because Chopper pulled that out here, and I was like, oh my god, that's a thing. See, Brain Point, frankly, has always kind of confused me. Because the way Chopper describes it in this little chunk when he's explaining his seven transformations said he's already got three and the rumble ball just adds an additional four so brain point in that way of framing things 
It's just his default hybrid form. But he only ever uses it in this like scope, find your weakness move thing after he's eaten the rumble ball. Yep. So is it different from just what he is by default or not? Is my question. I really don't know. Maybe the rumble ball like accentuates those points when he eats it. Like maybe he's smarter when he's in brain point versus when he's just chopper, maybe. But yeah, never really addressed. Sure do wish it would be. Just a weird one, but it certainly was helpful here. Uh, let's see. Oh, we have Kureha knowing about Roger being Goldie and the Will of D in general. Uh, yeah, that's pretty weird. So, like, she is in the know because the government seems to have worked pretty hard to cover up that whole Goldie thing. She's in the know about things in the past, for sure. But it is still strange that I guess she hasn't picked up a newspaper in 20 years <laughs> to know that the people have pretty much always called him Gold Roger. That's true, yeah. Like, in the flashback with Roger, at least from that point onward, people are already calling him Gold Roger, even before he finds Laugh Tale. Okay, yeah. He even says, seems like the world government is trying to cover up the D in my name, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's true, and the world government has like kind of always referred to him publicly as Gold Roger, then that could insinuate a personal connection between Kareha and Roger. Yeah, it certainly could. I don't know if we'll ever get more on that, but it was interesting to see. That was the first mention of the Will of D, right? Uh, I believe so. Okay. I think up until now, like the D in Luffy's name has never been brought up <laughs> by anyone. Right. So, like, that's neat that after 150 or so chapters, we get... A little bit of insight into just how important our lad is. Yeah. Speaking of important lads, the end of this arc actually introduces a lot of important things. We got Ace showing up, which is very exciting. And personally, I love the fact that when they brought him up, they were like, ah, yeah, we don't really know who he was, but it didn't snow that day, which was really weird. Ooh. Isn't that mysterious? And that's just such a great <laughs> nod to his powers. So good. Really, One Piece has been really good at like hinting at what people's powers have been, like the crocodile thing with the flower. Yep, yep. Now this thing with Ace's fire powers and the snow, and very good at teasing stuff at us. Good on you, Pastor. Yeah, it makes the reread so satisfying to be able to pick up on all this. <laughs> we also get to see Mr. Two and Crocodile, which, you know, I'm pretty excited for mr two has been a longtime favorite of mine even though sometimes i forget which number he actually is <laughs> he's just bonchan to you that's all yeah you know we're buds <laughs> <laughs> personal friends with mr two your claim not mine i'd like to be he seems like a fun dude we get teased about his okama way and okama kempo a little bit of tension there in the crew and all that but i'm sure it'll work out <laughs> no doubt. That guy's definitely not going to be locked up in the biggest worldwide prison <laughs> sometime in the near future or anything. Uh, spoilers, man. Spoilers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, other than like Mr. Two and, and Crocodile, uh, I didn't really have anything else to note on here. Do you have anything? The only thing that I had that we didn't already touch on was... I think it's really neat 
how Hiruluk, like connects to pirates. He admires them and their flag because of their spirit of rebellion and that their flag is like the symbol of that. Mm-hmm. So he respects that because Hiruluk similarly has dedicated his life to rebelling against the concept of incurable diseases. I think that's cool and poetic, but also turns out to be pretty tragic because poor Chopper takes it literally and decides that this symbol means good things. So when he reads it in that book, he thinks the scroll and crossbones is like, oh, miracle cure, sweet, I'll just grab this mushroom right quick, it'll be right of train. If he had actually read the book, he probably would have noticed, hey, maybe don't do that, big guy. But fortunately, Kittleloop does finesse it so that it's not the uh, poisonous mushroom that kills him, it's his bombs. Um, but that takes us into the the famous when does a man die speech right? yep. when he's forgotten and all that stuff yeah. which I think actually won I don't remember if this was like an official poll or like something Arthur did on Twitter or something but there was something in recent years where fans got to vote on like what their favorite quotes of the series were and I think it was also kind of by region like the character poll but uh, I think in some regions this quote either won or was like very highly rated among all the different quotes in one piece so people really love this quote it's really really good indeed and that thing with chopper and the poisonous mushroom oh so sad indeed so so sad he thinks he's done it and then it's all just ripped away from him right here luke just goes along with it he's like thank you chopper your heart was in the right place not going to say anything about how I know this will kill me, but, you know, I'm going to die anyway three times over. So. Yeah, yeah, he has dying in spades. Indeed. And then the last thing I wanted to say is that that cut from the end of the flashback where Wapples being an enormous jerk mm. to Luffy nailing him right in his big dumb face on a big old double page spread, hugely satisfying. Oh, yeah. Cinematically, oh, beautiful. Fantastic. Good on you, Oda. Wapple's the worst. And yeah. uh, that's the point I would like to end this on. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up here? No, nope, we're all done. All right. Again, there's a break next week. So chapter 1011 will be available on April 25th. Again, we are doing that stream this upcoming Friday, April 16th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And I think that about wraps us up. Yeah. See you guys next time. Bye-bye.